Father, we pray that you would direct our hearts to you tonight as we continue to to celebrate, to ponder, to consider why we gather. Lord, be with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Christmas is a time in, in many ways to reflect on what truly matters. Now, it, it would be nice if it were also a time where things slowed down a little bit to be able to do that. But often it seems as though it's still hustle and bustle and a bit crazy, just with a little different spin on it. So perhaps tonight can be a change, and we can all just breathe, catch our breath, and, and we can be reminded of why we celebrate, why we gather together with family and friends. Our tradition each Christmas Eve is to look at one of the songs of Christmas, one of the Christmas carols or the hymns of Christmas. You can go back through our archives and find meditations on joy to the world, O come, O come, Emmanuel, let all mortal flesh keep silence, and many others. And tonight we turn to What Child Is This? It's a familiar song, as most of these are, but often in that familiarity we can miss the message. And this song calls us to wonder and adore and to come and and to recognize, to own in the old vernacular, the child as he truly is. And you'll find the the words to to the carol on the back of your bulletin if you got that, if you want to follow along in that way. But the song, um, William Dix was the author. He was born in Bristol, England, and at some point in his life, he settled in Glasgow, Scotland, and became a manager of a marine insurance company. At age 29 and around 1865, he was taken seriously ill, though, to the point of, of near death, and ended up confined to a bed for a decent amount of time during that, and in that he suffered, and, and you can understand this, a, a fairly deep depression over the sickness that he went through. But God, during that time, proved himself faithful, very faithful to him. And during his recovery, Dix became a very avid reader of Scripture and also a very avid hymn writer. That's how he worked through many things, and his relationship with the Lord became much more personal. Now, some believe that he took the ideas for What Child Is This from his poem, The Manger Throne. Uh, Now, I'm either not adept enough at understanding poetry, which is absolutely true, to see the connections or really any significant correlation, or there simply isn't much there, uh, except for the subject matter is about Jesus the baby. Um, but uh, you, you can, if, if you want to look at the poem and see it, you can just look up The Manger Throne by William Dix. But whether you or I can discern the origin of the verses, one thing we probably all know is the tune, Green Sleeves. And it was popular well before 1965 and a Charlie Brown Christmas special. It actually is a traditional English folk song that was registered in 1580, and I'm not going to try and say the the old English, but it was a new northern ditty of Ye Lady Greensleeves, was what it was named under. Uh, Greensleeves is a lot easier for us to say at this point in time. Uh, But Shakespeare even referred to this tune in his Merry Wives of Windsor. But the focus of the song is obviously not the tune, though I I think that tune complements the words of this hymn beautifully. The focus is what these three stanzas communicate in, in really a beautiful progression. So let's, let's look at the message of the song, and we'll start where we should with the first stanza. What child is this who lay to rest 
on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch or keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. Now, the first thing we encounter here is a question. Why? Why, why start with a question? It seems a little bit odd in, in many ways to start with a question, and, and it would be if questions were always meant to answer something unknown. That's not how questions are always used. Sometimes questions aren't even meant to be formally answered. We call those rhetorical questions. And sometimes questions actually serve to drive home a point or even express awe. What in the world? You can say that when you see some magnificent play in, in, in a football or basketball or something like that. You see what somebody does and you're like, what did I just see? That's not really a question that you're hoping that the person on the couch next to you answers. Consider Mark 4. The disciples and Jesus are on a boat when a massive windstorm arose. The waves were crashing and breaking into the boat and somehow Jesus is asleep during all of this. In the midst of all this chaos, but not for long, because the disciples woke him up in a panic, thinking they were about to die, and accused him of not caring. It says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the winds and the wave obey, and the sea obey him? Now that question at the end I think it's more of a statement of astonishment that's recorded actually for the reader's benefit to push us to ask the question, who is this? To push us to respond to this one to whom can speak to the, the winds and the sea, and it's calm like that. So in a like manner, the question that starts this song sets the tone. It's one of amazement. There is sheer glory in this first stanza as it recalls what Luke recorded in chapter 2 of his gospel. And so I'm going to read from verse 8 in Luke 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So you look at that. Though no dignitaries were present, at the birth of this child, nonetheless, this, this is Christ the King. This is the King. 
It was to lowly shepherds that the Lord made himself known, and the angels sang, and the shepherds wondered in amazement as they knew of this good news that would be of great joy for all the people. They went in haste, and then we come to the second stanza. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Nails, spear shall pierce him through the cross. Be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. And here we have another question. Why is he in such a place? Why is the king of kings born in a manger, in a place of humble means? If this is the king, there is no way he should be lying in such mean estate, isn't there? These questions, as David Mathis put it, beckon us beyond lowly Bethlehem to a life of even greater lowliness, and not static lowliness, but increasing lowliness. The stanza reminds us of the humility of our Lord, not just as a baby, that is certainly an aspect, but His humility in the scope of His life. For here, the baby is lying where beasts of burden feed. This is the baby, though, who will do more for humanity than anyone in all of history. This baby is actually the silent Word. The Word of God Himself made flesh, which we heard read earlier. He is the silent Word pleading, which seems a little contradictory, doesn't it, for something silent to plead. So how does someone plead silently? Well, it points us beyond the nativity to the humility of the cross where nails and spear would pierce Him through. His pleading is actually his very life as a substitution, as a sacrifice for sinners. Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. See, Dix here is calling us to ponder who this child is and why he was born. The incarnation finds its power not just in the miracle of God taking flesh, but in the reason he took on flesh, to give life to sinners, to give himself for the sins of his children, to be the silent word pleading from the cross. And the only words we hear in many ways, the the, the ones that ring out where it is finished. And we're to praise him, to haste to bring him laud. So then we come to that final stanza. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. This is the call to come to him. In many ways, it's an evangelistic song. Come to him. Own him. Now, now what does it mean to own this baby? It means to recognize him as he is, as the king of kings who salvation brings, as the eternal God who took on flesh to save us from our sins. It's, it's, It's the time to raise our song on high because this child brings the joy of salvation for all who own him all who come to him 
in faith and repentance. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. Folks, here is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What child is this? He is the King of King who brings salvation. The joy of Christmas cannot be separated from why this child came. He came to be pierced on a cross for me and for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these simple words, simple three stanzas that just recount truth, that point us to the reason we gather. And so, Lord, work in our hearts. May we not just celebrate the birth of our King, but His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension. And in this time of Advent, may we eagerly wait for His return again to set all things right. Lord, be glorified in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.